Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknet. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. Howdy, Beast Slayers. In today's episode, I will be uh, answering a couple questions from a recent clinic chat live discussion. The first question is about whether or not being on the Migraine Miracle program increases resilience over time. And the second question is about how to know what the cause or origins of a morning headache is. Is it migraines or allergies or something else? So again, these questions are excerpts from our recent clinic chat live session for Migraine Everland members that we do over Zoom. And if you're interested in taking part in these live sessions, as well as being able to submit questions, then you can learn more about becoming a member at MyMigraineMiracle.com, and there'll be a link in the podcast description. Along with being able to attend all of our clinic chat lives, there is a whole host of resources uh, in our membership for helping you to put the Migraine Miracle program into action to slay the beast once and for all. Also, we run periodic promotions for membership for our podcast listeners, and you can find out what the current one is by going to mymigrainemiracle.com forward slash moment. We've actually had multiple discussions over the years about allergies, including how to distinguish between um, headaches that are triggered by allergies, how to treat allergies if you don't want to take decongestants and antihistamines and are worried that that may be contributing to your migraines. And uh, all of those prior discussions are available inside of the uh, clinic chat archive. And lastly, before we get to the questions, I want to share a success uh, quote from Rachel, who is one of our newer Migraine Everland members. She says, since I've just found you guys one month ago, I went all in. I have since gone off all of my medications, antidepressant, Adderall, daily Claritin, daily Singulair, daily Baclofen, tons of Aleve, and almost daily Imitrex. Haven't had a migraine in seven days. Again, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. What does it tell us about the drugs that are commonly used to treat migraines if people commonly do so much better once they're no longer in the picture and when we're instead activating and supporting our body's own natural ability to heal and recover. It's a story we've now seen play out thousands and thousands of times. All right, and now without further delay, here is the excerpt from our recent clinic chat. Dr. T has mentioned that the longer we are on the Migraine Miracle Plan, the more sensitive our bodies become to mismatched foods like sugar. Can the same be true of mismatched behaviors, or might the opposite be true? For instance, we'll be able to better handle a few nights of poor sleep, or occasional extended hours on the computer, or not. So uh, this is, I thought was a really good question. Uh, a lot of you uh, upvoted it, so thought so too. And it actually brings up issues that are really fundamental to health in general, uh, as well as, uh, you know, all the issues related to migraine protection. And I'm going to start with an analogy, and that is the, the analogy of, of walking barefoot and calluses on your feet. So, so what happens if we, if we walk uh, barefoot everywhere? 
um, we build up calluses, right? And what does that allow us to do? Well, it, allow, it expands the range of places or the range of environments that we can walk comfortably while we're barefoot. Um, and in other words, it essentially makes our feet more resilient in a, a wider range of environments, right? And on the, on the flip side, if we never walk barefoot, we lose or we never develop those calluses. And over time, the number of places we can comfortably walk barefoot uh, narrows, right? So we become less and less resilient in that respect. And this sort of thing plays out in virtually every single domain of our physiology. So remember, the main function of the body is to maintain stable conditions in the face of changing environments and context so that we can still generate the energy that's needed to support life. And this is uh, tied in right with the definition of health. Um, many people now define health as a measure of our adaptive capacity. So essentially the number of, uh, or how adaptive you are, how many, um, how well you're able to maintain stable conditions or homeostasis in the face of different environmental stressors. And the best way to maintain all those systems, uh, in my opinion, and it makes perfect uh, biological sense to maintain uh, our maximal capacity is by reducing mismatches. Um, and uh, the way that mismatched foods and behaviors impair our health and ultimately cause disease is by reducing our adaptive capacity. So we become, through with our mismatched environments, less and less able to maintain homeostasis, which first causes physiological dysfunction and then ultimately causes those systems to break down completely, and we call that disease. Um, but this is exactly like what happens when we don't walk barefoot as the example. So when we deprive the body of the inputs and exposures, it needs in order to help to, to maintain that adaptive capacity, which is to say to maintain health, then we get sick. And this is actually played out tragically in the in the COVID pandemic. So there's been an, there's an enormous increase in risk of morbidity and mortality in those who are unhealthy. Um, and again, the way that is manifesting is a reduction in resilience or adaptive, adaptive capacity in the face of a stressor. In this case, it's the, it's the uh, case of an infection. Um, but we see the mortality rates tracking very tightly with, you know, incidences of obesity, hypertension, diabetes. Um, so back to the original question, the answer is absolutely so reducing mismatch absolutely makes us more resilient and this is almost certainly why you know in my own example and uh, examples of many folks that i've worked with um why triggers that would have once guaranteed a visit from the beast um don't don't have their same potency anymore um and the reason why this kind of resilience tends to improve the longer we sustain this way of living it's more in line um with how humans have lived for thousands of years. I've also talked about before, one of the main issues in the world of migraine is that many people respond to migraines by doing just the opposite. So for example, if someone has found that exercise is a trigger, then they may reduce it or avoid it altogether. And then what happens is that those systems, the cardiovascular and musculoskeletal system, they degrade over time and they become less resilient. So now it takes less physical activity to provide this, to give the body the same amount of stress. You're less able to recover and recuperate from that. And so less becomes more. 
unlike when we're implementing the plan, reducing mismatch, we're improving our resilience by increasing our adaptive capacity uh, and minimizing the impact of those stressors. So the same stressor has less of an impact in the future as we build up that capacity. Uh, so exactly the opposite of, of what often at times happens. And in the opposite case where we, if you're, you know, reducing the amount of uh, stressors that you're exposed to, um, or, you know, increasing mismatch, you're becoming increasingly sensitive over time um, to those triggers, which is exactly what people report happening. So folks will oftentimes get to a place, place where they can tolerate very little physical activity without it provoking an attack or can't go out in the sun at all because they've limited sun exposure, um, you know, whatever exposure it is that, that they've greatly limited um, now, is a, now is an even more potent stressor. Um, and then back to the topic of, of mismatch foods. So it's true that when we consume foods that are harmful, uh, like, you know, gluten grains for those who are sensitive, um, table sugar, our body does try to adapt in ways that will try to lessen the future impact, which means that if you remove those food, uh, those foods, you will le lessen those adaptations. But the difference there is those adaptations are only beneficial if you're going to continue to consume those things. Um, but if they're harmful and not health promoting, then not eating them is the preferable strategy um, to eating them. Uh, unlike the case of where you're trying to um, adopt things that are part uh, that are intended to reduce mismatch. So that would be a case where we're increasing mismatch in our lives and the body is trying to protect us from it. So a great question that kind of really gets to the root of uh, health and has real direct implications for the migraineur. So another common one. Um, I'm new to the group and I'm sure this question has been asked many times over the years, but how to know whether the morning headache is due to sinus allergies or really a migraine. So I wake up almost a few days every week with a very congested nose and a headache that intensifies during the day. Common question, a common issue uh, with the sinuses uh, in particular. So they can cause pain. Um, typically it's uh, pain in the face. Sometimes it can be pain in various places in the skull, but this is almost exclusively uh, in instances where there is active infection and the sinuses are inflamed. And usually that's going to be accompanied by other signs of infection like fever, malaise, joint aches, and so forth. And the pain of that is usually um, pretty localized, so most commonly pressure uh, over the uh, over the maxillary sinuses, for example, and it has a very typical character that can uh, usually be easily distinguished from migranous pain. That's in contrast to just regular sinus con congestion, which doesn't directly cause headaches. For someone who is prone to migraines, it can be a factor that moves you closer to threshold, but doesn't directly do so. So there are plenty of folks with seasonal allergies uh, and sinus congestion that never develop any, never complain of headaches with it. I've talked about before one of the distinctions between primary and secondary headaches with um, secondary headaches being something, some kind of pathology inside the skull that's causing head pain. So a sinus infection would be an example of that. Meningitis would be an example of that. And then the rest, we have primary headaches, which is really the brain's pain centers turning on and the vast majority of things that are attributed to sinus or called sinus headaches or 
are actually primary headaches where it's the brain's headache center turning on rather than um, a headache directly caused by the sinuses themselves. This, I, if you recall, also I've talked about this in the book, um, probably elsewhere, but um, sinus congestion is also not an uncommon um, feature of migraines. So that's why um, it's, studies have shown that the vast majority of people who've been diagnosed with sinus headaches um, are actually having migraines and likely because that they're just simply having that as a, as a um, symptom. In answer to the question, uh, outside of an active sinus infection, I think of those things under the, under the umbrella of a primary headache, and I would you know, address, address it accordingly uh, rather than doing spe specific things um, to, to treat the sinuses. All right, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Miracle Moment. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player of choice. And if you know any fellow migraine sufferers, please feel free to share it with them as well. And now it's time to go out and slay the beast. Mm -hmm.